friends, and welcome to the CU Insight Network podcast. My name is Lauren Culp. I'm the publisher and CEO at CUinsight.com. And it is my job on this show to have conversations with the thought leaders who support the credit union community. There are so many of them. And together, we get to identify those issues that affect credit unions and talk about the best practices that exist to learn from one another and improve our industry together. My guest on today's show, I'm so excited to have her here. Barb Lohman, the president at CUNA Strategic Services, is joining me. Barb, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Lauren. I'm excited to chat with you. Me too. Most of us did not grow up thinking we'd get to work with credit unions one day. I always start the show this way because I didn't even know what a credit union was until I was uh, working at one. (laughs) So I'm curious, what did you want to be growing up? So straight up, you're going to think I'm a total nerd. I wanted to be an astronaut. I thought it was so cool. I wanted to go to space. I wanted to fly on one of the space shuttles. I was like obsessed with the space program back in the mid 80s and was actually homesick from school the day of the Challenger explosion in 86 and was like devastated by it. So total space nerd. That's who I was. That is incredible. I am so curious then, what was the journey like to your current role as president at CUNA Strategic Services? I mean, did you try aerospace engineering and just have to go a totally different direction? So that'd be a hard no. (laughs) I started actually as a journalism major and then decided that after... So this is going to be really funny, but I had censorship became at the forefront for me. And uh, I was very passionate about a piece that I was writing. And the advisor just locked me out and said, no, I wasn't able to publish it. And I said, well, you know what, I'll show you. I'm going to leave the paper. And the advisor was like, I'm teaching you a very valuable lesson. Because if this is the career path that you choose, you're going to be censored and given guidance like this throughout your career. And I'm like, peace out. You know, that's, that's <laughs> just not who I am. So I actually then went and took a job at a commercial bank and started in, I started as a teller at a commercial bank and then became an MSR. And so here's the thing, Lauren, when I worked at the bank, I was that kid who said, let me learn everything I can. Like back then, ATM modems were in the cabinet under the huge ATM. And when there was a communication issue, like I'm in my skirt at the bank crawling underneath the cabinet with an eraser, pulling boards out of modems and cleaning them and and reseeding them. So it was just like one of those, just I was an inquisitive human and wanted to learn more. So just one thing in my career led to another. So I left the commercial bank after they were acquired by another bank and landed at a savings and loan. And I did systems analysis and design. I led a full system conversion. They needed somebody to be learn how to be a network administrator. So I raised my hand and said, I'll do it. They sent me to IBM for training. They needed somebody to learn how to program teller transactions in their new system. And I'm like, yeah, let me do it. I would love to do that. I would love to talk to people and understand what their needs are and then build the solution in the background. And it just, that's how my career evolved. When the savings and loan was acquired by another commercial bank, which, yeah, we're seeing a theme here. Barb wasn't the best suited for the banking industry because of all those acquisitions and (laughs) the crazy stress. So I landed at a credit union in Baltimore, the SSA Baltimore Federal Credit Union in Woodlawn, Maryland, as a systems analyst and made my way up through a full system conversion that we did there and became the CIO at the credit union. 
then went to some people say I went to the dark side, but I went to the vendor side, I guess, and have led all different parts of operations within the fintech side. I've been the VP of support services. I've led business development and marketing. Um, I've led professional services at a number of organizations, been the COO of Acuso that provided data processing services to like 25, 30 credit unions. And then I was the chief growth officer at Cornerstone Credit Union League before I came to CSS. So I think for me, my journey along my career has been all about embracing the fact that life is about learning experiences and we build our successes um, by figuring out what to do with them and just finding what is the next step? What is the next step after that? I, I joke when my friends ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm like, you know, I don't know, but I know it'll be in the credit union industry. And I'm kind of figuring it out through the process of elimination. And it works. <laughs> I love the diverse background that you have and just sort of that saying yes and raising your hand for all these new new learning experiences. I think sometimes to your point, you know, people will say, Oh, well, you know, what what role do you want next? And it's always every role I've ever had has been this unique niche role that you yep. wouldn't have known exactly. Totally. And so, totally. so I, I have the same thought every time. Well, I know who I want to be working with. <laughs> and that's yep. just and I'll figure out what it's doing. So what it what I'll be doing to be able to work with those folks. So yep, for sure. Awesome. Well tell me more about CUNA Strategic Services. What's the elevator pitch that you give folks about what you do and where you really add value for credit unions today? So we are an organization that's built for collaboration. Our ownership structure is Roughly 52% CUNA, 47% leagues. So 99, I think it's point, almost 7% of our ownership structure is CUNA and the league system. And then there's a small ownership stake between Woku and also TrueStage. So TrueStage has a minority ownership stake in CSS as well. So, and our board consists of credit union CEOs, league presidents, league service corp executives, folks who are prominent in the fintech industry out there. I'm blessed in that I get to lead an organization with a group of folks who really feel like collaboration is the key. So the vision we've set forward is to realize and understand the business and technology challenges that our nation's credit unions face and to prioritize those too, because we can't just boil the ocean and assume that we can solve everything. So we focus on prioritization at the heart of what we do. And then Basically, simply put, we go out there and look for innovative solutions that solve those challenges. And at the heart of our business model, we're focused on positioning credit unions to thrive in their markets and empower them to better serve their members. That is so critical. And technology in our industry today, I think, has never been you know more important than it is now. Mm -hmm. For most credit unions, we can't build everything we need in house, and so that's I love you know the the mission of Cuna Strategic Services because that's where those really wonderful fintech partners and providers can come in. So, can you tell me more? I know you mentioned the the Cuna and lead collaboration model, Cuna Strategic Services and lead collaboration. Can you tell me more about that and how you really work to introduce credit unions to these potential partners that they yes. Sure. So, you know, the leagues are instrumental in helping us deliver the great solutions that we identify and bring to market to the credit unions in their regions. So we work through the for-profit side of the associations, the league service corporations or LSC, you might have heard them abbreviated that way. 
and we focus with them. We've got a team who works directly with the leagues to identify what are you hearing within your region or your states right now and in the coming couple of months that is a priority or a need that your credit unions have. And then we work with them to identify the solutions that they choose to endorse. And then we are the facilitator of collaboration between our providers and the leagues to help identify targets, you know, opportunities where we can bring that technology to credit unions to help them strengthen the way they're able to either operate or serve their members. So we do a lot of pipeline management and follow up on opportunities. We'll bridge those gaps. And if a credit union wants a demo for a service, we make sure we help collaborate and, and, and coordinate that with the league. So just kind of hand in hand in partnership with the league, focusing on raising awareness and helping credit unions understand that no matter how overwhelming the current challenges that they face may feel, there is a solution out there that can help them and we can help pair them up with the right solution. Well, not only you know are the challenges that credit unions are facing maybe feeling overwhelming, but also it can feel overwhelming that there are just so many options out there in terms of fintech partners and providers. And so it's so great to hear about what you all offer. And you know, I know there can sometimes even be some misconceptions about small credit unions or, or even large credit unions and the types of technology that they can afford or that they need. Why do you think it's maybe so important that those credit unions, uh, all asset sizes, really lean into technology? So, you know, I think I hear a lot, especially from small asset credit unions, that they can't afford certain solutions. And I respectfully push back and say, I don't think you can afford not to. Like, mm-hmm. I think there are a certain set of solutions now out there that I think are almost table stakes. You know, having a core that's a little more progressive that supports seamless integration and helps facilitate your ability to enhance your digital footprint. Digital banking, that used to be just online, right? Now that's having an important and fabulous mobile presence where members can engage with their credit union and transact business in the timeline when they want, how they want, and where they want, which is basically anywhere. And then for me, mobile, you you don't have a true mobile solution if you don't have remote deposit capture. I have a a 31-year-old daughter who has never had to go to a branch to deposit a check. She wouldn't even know what that looked like. She just knows, pull your phone out and take a picture of it. And so I I think as we progress through the next few generations, that's going to become more and more the norm. Um, Payments and money movement. I think a lot of credit unions and financial institutions used to think they could check that box because they had bill pay. It's not just about bill pay now. You're hearing um, financial institutions raise the bar and members want real-time money movement. They want P2P solutions. So credit unions need to consider how they need to expand in those areas. Online account opening and loan origination, a lot of financial institutions are seeing a growing percentage of new accounts and loans being opened through their online channels. So I think if you don't think in terms of how can I make this happen because I can't afford not to, it's really going to lead to obsolescence. I think survival in our space now has to be focused on through two lenses. How can we grow and how could we leverage technology to drive operational efficiencies? So I think we need to leverage this technology and figure out how we can afford to in order to attract and retain more profitable members that are going to help credit unions grow in both those areas. Does that make sense? 
It does. And I love what you said about, you know, it's not can we afford the technology? It's it's that we truly can't afford not to be right, pushing right. the envelope in our technology. As an industry, I feel like we've learned so much over the last, even the last four years, the last 10 years, and credit unions have seen really increased adoption of digital and mobile experiences, especially over the pandemic, even from groups of members who have historically not been the quickest adopters of technology. True. But with some of those key learnings, do you think that there's still an opportunity for credit unions to expand their digital offerings, even among different generations that maybe they didn't normally think about? So first and foremost, there is always an opportunity for credit unions to expand their digital footprint and presence, 100%. CUNA, Greg Micklig, who is our chief engagement officer at CUNA, launched an initiative a couple years ago, right after COVID, called the Credit Union System Digitization Working Group. And we had folks sit at the table from all different size credit unions, all different types of system partners, Um, really just a great group of industry experts that got together and, and, and started to answer the question, Hey, now that we've learned a lot through living through COVID and, um, having limited access to members in person, what does that look like? What do credit unions need to consider? And how do we need to think about advancing our digitization journey? And the group did some really important work. We came up with a digital maturity roadmap. So we we created almost a continuum where you start on your journey, a digital beginner to a digital evolver, to a digital intermediate, then a digital progressive, and then ultimately a digital leader. But we broke that out across six key themes, technology and innovation, governance, and leadership, culture, strategy, the talent and ability to execute, and then the financial commitment, the willingness to put forth the financial commitment to advance along that continuum. And about toward the end of last year, I took over responsibility for leading that group as we shifted from ideation to execution. So I am super excited about the work that that group is doing. I think it's a game changer for our industry because where it starts is helping credit unions through a self-assessment tool understand their own journey, right? So where are you today in your digital journey and where do you want to be? And then building out tools and partnerships and capabilities to help them advance along that continuum in all different areas so that they can continuously grow. Because let's face it, you could be a digital evolver or a digital intermediate in one category or one feature function set today. And with some new, new, really shiny capability that gets released six months from now, you could slide all the way back to a digital beginner, right? Because technology keeps advancing and it's difficult for credit unions to keep up. So I think having the tools and the ability to understand how I need to advance as a credit union along that journey, really truly understand where I am today and then get buy-in at all levels of the organization to where I want to go and then just find that assistance to help help me advance along that journey because that's half the battle too, right? You can, as a board and leadership team, you can identify where you are and where you want to go. But if you don't have access to the resources to help get you there, it's just an uphill battle that's going to be very difficult to fight. Well, there's so much that you said that I (laughs) can dig into more. (laughs) 
I, first and foremost, if credit unions are interested in getting involved as you're talking about moving from that ideation phase into the execution of the work you've been doing, who should they reach out to? Is there someone on your team that they can reach out to if they want to get involved in that work? They should reach out to me directly because I would love to hear what they have to say and to talk to them. Awesome. Well, we will link to Barb's contact information here for anyone who's listening who wants to get involved. As we think about all of those different fintech options that are available to credit unions, do you think that those digital experiences will help spark new growth? Or do you think that those are maybe just the cost of doing business today and kind of like that barrier to entry to the market? So I think both, right? I think we can't afford not to keep up. But I definitely think having the right technology set in place will spark new growth for credit unions and also help maybe reduce the average age of their membership because these new generations coming into their borrowing years and their their saving years as well are going to demand that those touch points and that technology. So they're not going to make a credit union their primary financial institution unless we can keep up with them and how they want to engage with us. So I think it's both, Lauren. I I would have to agree personally. And you know, when I think about the experiences that I'm having across my different, you know, digital <laughs> channels yeah. where I'm where I'm shopping, where I'm, you know, connecting with my friends, anything that I'm doing, friends and family, I, I'm having these really seamless experiences. And I, I think it's so important that the credit union experience is up to par with those. And that makes it really challenging because you, you know, we don't have the budgets of a Facebook or an Apple yeah. or a Google. Yep. But I, one of the things I, I really think about a lot is I was at a conference a couple of years ago and someone said, well, you know, young kids these days don't even know how to write a check. And when all of the digital stuff goes down, that's what they're going to have to rely on. So they're, you know, they're pushing <laughs> poorly. <laughs> and I, I think it's a, it's a mindset, a mindset switch because there are so many new things coming out. And, and you know, we, consumers, especially younger ones, to your point, don't want to go into a branch. Yep. As I agree. Know, for credit unions to connecting with those younger audiences, we hear a lot of talk about how Gen Z and you know Gen Y even care a lot about doing good in the world and social, you know, social good, corporate social governance and all of that. Do you think that ease of use and technology kind of trump the the mission of credit unions, or do you think those go hand in hand for those for those next generations? I think they go hand in hand. And I think the next generations are going to demand it. They want to engage with credit unions because their philosophy aligns with with us. But we have to be able to keep up in order to attract them and, and, and convince them that this is the place. This is where they can trust their banking options and can really grow in their human journey. Right. I mean, I think that sounds a little hokey, but we have to have the technology to support them as they grow through the different phases of their life. And if we don't, we're going to lose out on an awful lot. Well, I want to switch gears for a second and talk about a program that's really near and dear to our hearts uh, at CU Insight and across the industry for so many people. So Credit Union Development Educator Program, the CUDE program, you are a certified CUDE. I'm so curious, what was your experience like and how does your DE background help influence the priorities of the direction that you're taking as an organization at CUNA Strategic Services? So I was raised by a machinist and a church organist, and I was raised to be a servant leader. So when I went through, when I finally got to go through DE training with 
November 2018, the best class ever. I know everybody else thinks theirs is, but I know that mine is. Um, it just felt like I found my people, right? I mean, I found my I found my people, I found my purpose. And I had already been in the industry for a lot of years. It just solidified everything and helped it gel. So I think, and when I when the announcement came out that I was going to be the next leader at CSS. Gigi reached out to me personally and said, you know what, Barb, I think it's going to be really exciting to see what happens at CSS with a DE at the helm and to see how, how the shift really ties, ties CSS and the work that you're doing even more deeply to the movement. So the first thing I would say is that everything we do, Every decision we make is tied to our people helping people philosophy. I mean, we'll have long conversations and debates around whether I told you, you know, we we identify the business and technology challenges that credit unions face. But an important part of our operating model is that prioritization. So we'll have very spirited conversations around we can't do everything. So as we prioritize, how can we help the most, the, the largest number of people? How can we help? The, the biggest number of credit unions? How can we make a difference and really help them help their members? Because that's the other thing. We constantly remain grounded in our why. I've done a lot of work with our team on focusing on our why. And I, I would say every single day, our why, by the way, is to position credit unions to thrive in their in their markets and better serve their members. I mentioned that when I talked about our elevator pitch, it's in our vision statement. Everything we do is focused around how we can help position credit unions to create better lives for their members and serve them in different ways. So I think my DE upbringing and having that culture within our organization just is at the heart and soul of what we do. Every single day, we're having conversations around what's the right thing to do. And that takes me back to my DE roots. And it's energizing. That's the best way I can put it. We were talking before the show and you shared that you started in your role right in the middle of the pandemic. And so I can only imagine the evolution that has taken place, not only under your leadership, but also given some of the different challenges of the last couple of years. But as we look to the future too, I'm really curious what your focus is for the road ahead. So can you share a little bit about sort of the evolution of CSS under your leadership and then what you're looking forward to for the road ahead? Well, sure. We are in the middle of reimagining our entire operating model. So we've raised the bar on engagement with the leagues. We're out there focusing on how we can engage more closely across the industry and better understand. You know, I probably have at least a handful of conversations every week with a friend of mine who's a CEO or a CIO or a COO or a CLO that are just listening and saying, hey, what's keeping you up at night these days, right? Just better understanding what's on the hearts and minds of credit union executives that are creating challenges for them to be able to get out there and deliver solutions that can help them serve their members. So focusing on that evolution of our operating model and bringing strength, like I said, strengthening that, that league engagement, but also building more of a sales culture where we've got formal process in place. There are a lot of organizations I've worked in where folks thought sales was a bad word or you know, a four-letter word or whatever, but we're, we're focused on bringing rigor and process and tools to the table that credit unions can benefit from 
because we've got formal pipeline management. We've got formal white space analysis. We're out there not only determining what solutions can solve credit union problems, but almost matchmaking to say, how can we deliver this solution to that credit union to help them solve that problem and get the leagues engaged to make sure they're part of that process and just facilitate that evolution. So for us, the road ahead is continuing to just reimagine and and bring into production a lot of those new tools, new best practices, new processes we've put in place. Um, We've recently hired a director of sales. We have a full-time person who's focused on helping the leagues with their sales processes. We've got a marketing operations manager where we've centralized all the marketing execution so that we can just do better and be better as a partner for the leagues. So being that stronger deliverer of solutions for credit unions and that better partner to the leagues is at the heart of our path forward. I absolutely love that. And I think there are so many things that, to your point, your DE background really aligning with the the mission that credit unions have is so, so deeply ingrained. As we wrap up the show, I always like to have some fun with rapid fire questions to let our listeners get to know you a little bit better. The questions are going to be rapid, but your answers don't have to be. So Barb, if you're ready, I will dive in. I am ready. Let's roll. All right. Question one. Who is someone in your life that was a great leader and what makes them great? That's an easy one. When I was at the the savings and loan that I worked at, the SVP of Deposit Services was an amazing woman named Sheila McCracken. And she left such an impression on me in my early development in, uh, in my financial services industry career because she taught me what it was like for a woman to function and live within a man's world because that was the early 90s and there were very few female executives, especially at banks and even savings and loans. So she inspired me in that way, but she also taught me, she practiced what she preached and one of the most impressionable lessons I've ever learned in my career, she was coming back from a meeting that we had all been in and I was walking behind her and she had a run in her pantyhose. And back then, all of us had to... It was like part of the dress code. I don't know why. Don't ask me why, Lauren. But you had to wear <laughs> pantyhose if you were a female, along with a skirt. I sure. guess they thought we could think better if we did that. I don't know. Right, right. But So Sheila had a run in her stock. And we got back to her office. And I said, excuse me, Mrs. McCracken. I, I want to let you know that you, you, have a, you have a run in your hose. And she was like... Thank, I thought she was going to murder me. But she was like... Thank you so much. She's like, this is how we need to look after one another. She's like, you absolutely need to tell me that. Don't ever let anyone tell you that you shouldn't because we don't want anyone to look at us from the outside and say, oh, she's a weak woman because this or that. And it was the influence that she had over me as an emerging leader and a developing professional in the financial services industry was just, there were so many rich lessons there. I, I miss her terribly. She's been hugely, hugely instrumental in helping me advance through my career. I love the stories of women who are supporting other women in the workplace, in the industry. I think it's something that is is so critical. All right. If you're going to splurge on something, you want to treat yourself. What is something you might invest a little bit in? (laughs) Golf shoes. And don't laugh. Don't judge me. I bought a really cool pair of waterproof G4 golf shoes on vacation in Myrtle Beach. And I'm not even going to tell you how much I spent for them. 
And the next day I had my outfit laid out. I was all about sporting my brand new G4 Navy waterproof golf shoes. And it was raining that morning and I'm such a dork. I wouldn't wear them because I didn't want the first time I wore them to be in the rain. (laughs) And my ex-husband, who is like the, the biggest jokester and just, he was unmerciful. He was like, wait a minute, let me get this straight. You spent how much money on a pair of waterproof shoes that you refuse to wear because it's raining? Barbara, that makes no sense. So that, that that's why golf shoes are my vice. How about that? I love it. That's amazing. All right. Random question. If you're traveling for work, and I can only imagine you do that every so often here, what city are you most excited to visit, whether it's client visit or going to a conference? Ooh, that's a tough one because there are so many awesome cities across the US. It's any place that has really good food and cocktails. I'm a total foodie and I love to share a good cocktail with friends. So maybe Chicago, San Francisco, Austin for good seafood, the Midwest for a really good steak. So there. (laughs) Awesome. All right. A lot of cities on your list. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. What is a book that you think just everyone should read? Hmm. Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Have you read that book? I have read that book and I love it. So I laughed. I cried. I learned so much and learned how to understand and find myself. So my whole life, I worked so hard to be the best at what I did. And that's part of why I've been successful. You know, be the best daughter, be the best granddaughter, be the best sister, be the best wife, be the best mother. Even in my professional career, be the best teller, be the best VP, the best COO. I think I always hoped that that would make me feel alive and fulfilled and that living up to other people's expectations of me would just help me thrive. And it wasn't until I learned how to absolutely abandon the world's expectations of me that I quit trying to please other people and started living my own life. And that process of reading Untamed by Glennon Doyle was instrumental in that development process. We are going to link to that book in the show notes. So anyone who's interested can uh, just check out the show notes and you'll see the link right there to, to get that book. All right, Barb, what has been your best hack for creating balance and integration between your work life and what I always like to call your life life? I'm still a work in progress in this area, Lauren. So I have to say, I've never really been great at that. I sacrificed so much in my personal life over the years as I grew into different executive roles. But I think I'm doing better. And part of that is my journey of self-realization. And just, I think, holding myself accountable for getting my priorities right and focusing on getting my priorities right, right? So it sounds simple, but just making sure that family comes first and no matter what, and I, I ingrain that in my team. If you if you ask any one of them where our priorities lie, if there's ever anything comes up with their family, I, I, I have a saying, I tell them, you know, we're not curing cancer here. There's nothing that we're doing that's so critical that it can't wait a couple of hours if your mom needs you, if your dad needs you, if your kiddo needs you. So I think just, holding myself accountable for practicing what I preach and being better at setting those boundaries and priorities. I love that. Well, we are going to link to everything we talked about today in the show notes, like we mentioned. My last question for you, though, is do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share or final asks of our listeners today? 
be kind to one another. And then I'm going to bust out New Testament. Let all that you do be done in love. I, I live my life by those principles. And I think if we all treated each other with a little more kindness and led in love, the world would be a much better place. And I think there's room for all of us to do better in that area. So that's it. What a perfect way to wrap up the show today. Thank you so much, Barb, for being on the show. I hope you stay well. And thanks to all of our listeners today for tuning into the See You Insight Network podcast. We will be back again next time.